Hey, and welcome to Partake. Today we're looking at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. And I've entitled it, Let's Get Organized. And so far in the book of Acts, we can see that the church has come under attack by the world through persecution and via Satan through deceit and moral compromise. And now a new crisis has appeared. Unable to destroy the church by way of persecution and deceit, Satan now tries his next ploy in order to create a split in the church by getting believers to argue and fight with each other. If Satan had succeeded in creating an implosion within this church, the only church in existence at the time, then the effects could have been devastating. I've had people tell me they want a church without any form of organisational structure. And I tell them that if a church has no organisational and leadership structure, then it will soon have chaos rather than harmony and it will collapse rather than grow and serve. Of course, some leaders are corrupt or make wrong decisions, as we've seen already. But godly leaders will not be corrupt. And as we shall see, they will make decisions that are wise and based on prayer and spiritual insights. So let's have a look at Acts chapter 6 verses 1 to 7 together. Let's see what was the problem, how did they solve the problem and what happened after it was resolved. Reading from Acts chapter 6 verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, a complaint arose from the Hellenists against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily service. So there's good news. The church was growing, but this growth had caused a problem, which was the bad news, and that was some widows were not being cared for. And Hebraic Jews had always lived in the then nation of Israel, spoke mainly Aramaic and some Hebrew. They would have been well used to life in a Jewish society, the temple, and avoiding those who were not Jews, the Gentiles. Grecian or Hellenistic Jews were part of the Jewish diaspora, born elsewhere within the known world, and had returned to Jerusalem. These people mainly spoke Greek and were well used to working with the Gentiles or non-Jews. And we know from the Old Testament that widows were, were and are important to God because justice is important to God because God is a God of justice and mercy. And In the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, God commanded provision for those who are widows, oppressed, or uncared for. The apostles would have known about God caring for the widows, and in Jesus' teaching about justice for the poor and the oppressed. We know this because earlier in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, people were willing and selling and sharing possessions and ensuring that people within the Christian community were being looked after and cared for. This included making sure that everyone got fed, particularly those who had no family to care for them. Somehow, unintentional or not, this group of widows were missing out. So what was the solution? 
Let's read again from Acts chapter 6, verses 2 to 6. The twelve, that is the apostles, summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not appropriate for us to forsake the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, select from among you, brothers, seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will continue steadfastly in prayer and in the ministry of the word. These words pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. When they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now three things about the solution. The transformation of the apostles, particularly James, Peter, and John. It's not stated here, but a transformation has taken place. Only a few, a few short days ago, the disciples of Jesus had refused to wash feet as an act of service. That's Peter. Some had wanted positions of power and greatness. That's James and John. Their old nature must have started asking questions and prompting them to react negatively. The world has attacked the church. Satan has attacked the church. And now Satan would have been using the apostles' old nature to attack the church. But, but as they are transformed by the indwelling Holy Spirit and now have a new nature, the very nature of Jesus Christ, they react much more righteously and judiciously. Notice they gathered all the believers together for a church meeting. They gave their opinion or judgment, if you like, that their ministry or time would be better spent doing what God had called them to do, to be leaders of the church praying, preaching, evangelizing, and discerning how best to apply the three years of teaching that they had when traveling with Jesus Christ before his ascension. Their time, rightly so, was best spent doing that, for that was their ministry of service. But other people in the church gathering, who had a ministry of service and overseeing the food distribution, could spend their time doing that. So what of these seven men with Greek names? They were elected by the whole church, both Greek and Jew, to perform this duty. They may already have been doing it, but were now being set apart especially for this role. These men were controlled by the Holy Spirit and were wise. They were chosen to give relief to the leadership so that the word of God and prayer would not be hindered. Interestingly enough, The word diaconia is translated here as ministry. Other way to translate it is as deacons. But they were not deacons in the way that Paul used the word as part of a church government in 1 Timothy 3. Rather they were deacons set apart for this specific task. It was their ministry. It may well have been from here that Paul developed what some parts of the universal church understands as the role of deacons. So these seven men were prototypes, as it were, for the Pauline idea of deacons. Note also that the apostles 
the apostles didn't say their work was more important than serving. They were just following what God had called them to do, just as God had called these seven men to take responsibility for providing food for the widows. So they were commissioned by God, by the laying on of the hands, and set apart to perform it. We know only of Stephen and Philip, and that they continued doing other ministries as well as this. And what was the result? Verse 7 of Acts chapter 6. The word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem exceedingly. A great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. The result was growth. Growth and witness may well see the conversion of former enemies, as we've seen here. Growth and witness may well see reasoning and transformation, again, as we have seen here. Now that the apostles had time for their dedicated and unique ministry, all the widows could be fed and all believers able to participate within the life of the church. Not only that, Stephen was instrumental, as we have seen, in reaching the apostle Paul. And Philip was instrumental in reaching the city of Samaria and winning and won over for Jesus Christ, the Ethiopian eunuch, who then took the gospel to Africa. This growth was where the word of God increased in its effectiveness in the lives of those unbelievers who would listen to the gospel. This growth was not merely additional, but multiplication. It was explosive, so explosive that even former enemies were becoming converts. Sadducees were Jewish believers who didn't believe in a bodily resurrection, yet they came to faith and started to believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not hard to imagine that some of those priests coming to faith in Jesus Christ were former persecutors of the church. They were watching the church to see how best to attack and debate them, yet found that they were joining the church rather than continuing to oppose it. The church was preaching one thing and acting upon it. There was no hypocrisy within the church. The church was transparent. It lived as it believed. The church was seen as transformative and servant-like. And while the church continued to reason with others about the validity of Jesus Christ's claims to be the Messiah, it would not have been effective if lies were not being transformed. If lies were not being changed, then no amount of reasoning alone would have seen the growth in numbers being added to the church, just as transformation and change alone would not have been the catalyst for growth without the reasoning behind it. The early church was a radical community of believers growing quickly. At Pentecost, the church community began when the Holy Spirit filled the disciples. The hallmarks of this community were commitment and transformation. This community was radical. It was where people's lives were being changed as the Holy Spirit filled them. Instead of being a withdrawn people filled with fear of retribution from the Roman government and Jewish leaders, they became a people filled with boldness and joy. This church in Jerusalem grew by being a radical community imbued with radical individuals engaging with others and serving. It was a church where every member was asked and expected to play some role in the life of the church. And the Christian life is to be dynamic and active. 
As we have seen, the word deacon denotes ministry. Ministry is any service for Jesus Christ. When you serve as God's deacon in any way, and in this way, God's honour is released. That's why the embryonic, the baby church in Jerusalem grew and flourished. This is done because service shows the beauty and glory of Jesus Christ to those being served and to those watching. And that is to be our motive for service. Serving and ministry would never be about and should never be about what you and I can get out of it. When that is the motive, God is not glorified. God's glory and supremacy is to be our goal as Christians. Spiritual growth comes from serving rather than being served. This is because whatever is given in service of God and others, faith grows and Jesus Christ gives back even more. Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 25 verses 15 to 30 tells of the rewards for faithful service and the penalties for being faithless. Serving others is a sign that you are trusting God and having faith in God. Serving God and others is the mark of a spiritually maturity and through service the greatest servant of all is reflected, Jesus Christ. This Jesus Christ who came to serve and give his life for others. And as Christians we also are to be as Jesus Christ and to serve. And yet if we're honest, we sometimes feel incapable just as Moses did. An excellent example to follow, as we have heard previously, is that of the Deacon Stephen. If you want more information about Partake Ministries, or would like to know how to subscribe to these messages, or financially support us, please do visit www.partakers.co.uk and click on the appropriate link. Thank you.